Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to a new episode of Canadian Investing in the U.S. Uh, this week, my guests are Brent Green and Ali Ajami. Um, guys, uh, you want to give a, yourselves a bit of an intro from Global Tax Services? Um, and oh, I'm going to preface this because I maybe I should have asked you this beforehand maybe talk about uh, some of the things you do because I think a lot of people don't realize um like about the uh, state side and some of the things that you can do now that even from when we talked like three years ago on the podcast about corporate structure there's been a lot of additional uh services you guys can do absolutely right. go ahead Al yeah definitely um Ali Ajami, one of the uh, co-founders of Global Tax Services and uh, Stateside APM. Uh, we we added Stateside to uh, our our structure, or you want to say our our business, um, a little over a year and a half ago. Um, I'll uh, talk about global side of things. Brent will explain a little more about Stateside. But um, on the global uh, tax uh, side of things, we are a full-blown uh, accounting firm. Uh, we do monthly bookkeeping, sales tax, payroll, corporate structures. We're registered agents. We actually uh, are certified acceptance agents with the ITIN program, which is equivalent to the social security number for foreigners. Um, Pretty much your one-stop shop. We work with several attorneys. We have an in-house attorney um, that does operating partnership agreements if needed as well. Um, I've been doing this for close to over 10 years now. Um, Global Tax Services has been existing for going on almost seven. Pretty crazy. But um, yeah, I'll pass it along to Brent. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm Brent Green and uh, I'm a co-founder of global tax services we we like to call it gts it's easier for us oh yeah <laughs> so gts and like like uh ali said we acquired stateside apm from one of our clients um about a year and a half ago and it allows us to do um a few different things that uh global doesn't do there are some duplication of services and we're trying to work that out as who does what and all that um our main thing is uh, that we offer property and liability insurance to uh, property owners in the U.S. from, you know, there's people from probably 10% of our people live in the U.S. and they just live in different states. We act as their registered agent in the state that, they're, that they have their property in. And then we offer property and liability insurance. Um, so those are two, probably our two main services. We do, we do simple tax returns over here. So, for example, you have one or two properties, uh, we can do it, but we have a very stringent like rule that you have to fill out a spreadsheet. And so it, it's a little less handholding, but um, I mean, for for a lot of people, it's it's all they need. Yep. If you need more extensive services, then, you know, we'll, we'll put you on the program with global and that sort of thing. So, yeah, uh, full bookkeeping and the whole thing. Yeah. Exactly. If you need you need more, you've got more than one entity, that sort of thing, you're going to need a little bit more work. And you also want to do some planning and, and thinking about stuff, too, um, instead of just recording what happened last year. Yeah. Right. And I, um, on that note, um, like they've had the insurance for a while. And I just 
I don't know why it took me so long, but I've actually started moving over some of my insurance. So um, if even if you guys already have a great insurance company, I think it's worth uh, talking to Janet at Stateside and just getting a quote on this because I've uh, I'm finding probably two thirds of the quotes I've been getting from Stateside are actually beating my current policies. So it is yeah. it's worth uh, it's worth the filling out the paperwork, and it's actually not that much paperwork. They just need to know some basics of the property. Yeah, plus I and you know we give really good service. We handle all claims. You don't have to handle any of the claims information, that sort of thing. We work with your property manager to do the claims. Um, we also, you know, we're really we're we have the pulse of the insurance company and the, the top end brokers, so we know what's going on. Um, you know, we're here to answer questions. I mean, you go to your agent; they know they don't know anything. Yeah, uh, you can answer any question you have about insurance. We're more than happy to do that. Um, we just we try to provide premium service as well as like a, a nice rate. Yeah. Right. So what I wanted to have these guys back on for is to talk about corporate structure. I believe it was episode ninety one, the last time we talked about that, which was several years ago. Um, we've had them on several times, but we were talking about different topics. I really wanted to re. Uh, bring up the the corporate structure for Canadians and uh, like full disclosure, like I've been working with uh, Ali and Brent for um, even when they were at a different company before Global Tax Services. So it's been uh, I don't know what do we think seven years or something like that that we've been working together. So yeah. pretty much my whole uh, existence in the United States, we've been working together. So it's a, a nice long relationship, and they they do give great service. Um, but anyway, uh, corporate structure. Um, First of all, give a little disclaimer uh, before we start this. Um, you know, when you're doing corporate structure, um, everyone's going to have different needs. Um, whenever you talk to them, uh, honestly, the, the best conversations you're going to have if you can bring them as much information, what you plan to do, what you're doing right now, what, what your plans are in the future. You want to be building this big corporation so they can try and build something that makes sense to, to grow into than just surprising them later. Um, you know, having some how much income you make, because it's not a one size fits all fits all for these corporate structures. Um, and even uh, I think well, at least I'm usually communicating with Ali, um, but we've set them up multiple different ways. And it depends on the partners and what what we're, what we're trying to do. And if our goal is to do burrs or flips. Um, so before anyone takes this as like the Bible, um, honestly, what you should be doing is having a conversation about what you're trying to do to get the right thing. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to give a little bit of a, <laughs> so people don't go and set something up and come back to you. Like, I heard it on your podcast. And <laughs> so it's not a one size, if you have an attorney and it's a one size fits all, find a different attorney because they should be thinking about your, what your different situations is. So anyway, um, Sorry, I, I've been kind of ranting, but um, for one of you guys want to tackle, like, what kind of structures uh, should a Canadian be looking to do um, in the U.S. and and why they want to do that? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, like Glenn said, it's a situational basis um, type of structures that we 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 advise. Um, we like to take on free twenty minute consultations. Um, please come on board with all the information possible. But the most typical structure we always advise is the LPGP route, where you're opening up a limited partnership in the state that you're operating in. And then in a limited partnership, you have a general partner. We open up a separate entity to take on the general partner role. The general partner role is to take on the liability of the partnership. Now, like I said, everyone's situation is different. 
the limited partners could be the individuals in their personal name, or what we've been doing lately is we've been uh, incorporating a hold call on top of the limited partnership to take on the limited partner role. To keep things out of the personal name, we send all the funds back up to the hold call. And then what, as Canadians, what you can even do is incorporate a Canadian corporation to take on 100% shares of that hold call. Um, what happens in that situation is if you want to keep the funds in the U.S., you can just keep them in the hold call. Um, it gives you the opportunity for a 1031 exchange. A 1031 exchange is where you identify a property of equal value. You purchase it while you're selling the current property that you already have, and you defer capital gains until the end life of the actual investment. Yeah, you have to use a, a what's called a qualified intermediary. So there's people right. that do that's they do nothing but 1031s. The thing about 1031s is it's not about the paperwork. Anyone can do that paperwork once you know how to do it. It's finding someone who will find you a suitable property. Correct. And you're like, oh, we're gonna exchange this property. So you save capital gains and then you get a you know garbage property. And you really, you're sorry that you did it. So <laughs> you, 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 it's not taxes, avoiding taxes or deferring taxes is not always like your number one priority when you invest. So be careful with that. Right. Yeah. No, there's a lot of things to that too. Um, so yeah, like you said, bring in uh, the qualified intermediary. Um, you can't have that money ever touch your hands. You can't come back to the corporation. You can't, um, you know, you have to set this up prior to the sale of the original property. Because if they sell it and they send the money to you, you broke that whole thing, right? There's a whole bunch of rules. You have to identify a property within a certain amount of time. You have to close within a certain amount of time into the second property to push it along. So do work with an expert when you're doing that. Um, I had an expert come on. Oh, I'll have to look it up. Maybe I'll put it in the show notes probably like three years ago. And they were um, specializing in doing 1031s for Canadians, right? Um, so I don't know. I can't remember his name, but it, it I did do an episode way back on that. Um, but or I don't know, does does you, do you guys have a, a a recommended 1031 exchange guy as well? Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that I've created a new coaching program. I believe the new coaching program has way more value than any of the programs that have even existed in the past. What we've done is pre-recorded all the lessons so that you can work through it at your own pace, which is pretty cool. And then we're going to meet up on a regular basis to answer the questions, do deal analysis, and actually spend our time together working on things instead of spending our time learning things. I think this will make a seamless transition to buying in the United States and will help you solve a lot of your problems. If this is of interest to you, go to glensutherland.com coaching. I hope to help you guys invest in the United States, and I hope we provide as much value as possible. Back to the podcast. There's no one we work with on a regular basis. Yeah, it's not a, it's, it's, uh, you know, if, if a client requests it, you know, we'll do some research, we'll, we'll find somebody, but it's, um, yeah, and not someone that we're just throwing referrals to. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so you, you, Ali, you just talked about building a corporate structure and uh, basically a hold co, um, and then um, your LP with a, a C corp as the general partner. Um, the limited partner would be the, the hold. Um, whole reason of doing this is for like 
you know, for liability, right? Well, part of it, the, the end part, at least with the, the, the C Corp or whatever you decide at the end. Um, if you're going to use um, an LLC, would it not have the same abilities uh, for liability as doing the, the C Corp and the LP? And why wouldn't we want to do that? <laughs> so here's the thing with LLCs. LLCs aren't recognized as flow-through entities by the CRA. So yeah. what we've learned over the years is stay away from LLCs as a Canadian. Now, where an LLC could be created and used is under the actual structure where the LLC could hold the property just for liability issue um, just for liability protection, but it still needs to be owned by the LP, by the corporation. And at the end of the calendar year, there are no funds that can stay in the LLC. If funds are in the LLC at that point, that's when you are basically piercing the valve um, or piercing the, you know, double taxation. Um, that's when double taxation comes into play. Yeah, the idea the idea of a full through entity is that you're hoping yeah. that when you have rental properties and things, you're not going to really have a real high tax rate right away. Right. Unless you're doing phenomenally well and you have a lot of properties. So the idea is that you you have a low tax rate in the US and then you can use whatever tax you pay as a credit against your Canadian taxes because you still have to report everything on your Canadian tax return. Uh, un unlike some very few countries now do not have worldwide income uh, reporting so um, there may be some that that do but Canada and the US and the UK especially we're pretty much you know we're brother and sister mm -hmm. we have pretty much very similar rules so yeah. but if you use an LLC and you and you pay taxes in the US through your personal name because it's a full through you don't get to use that as a credit so yeah, double tax, double tax, and then there's a lot of reporting issues, like LL, uh, like Ali said, with the LLCs, it's going to cost you a lot of accounting fees and time and effort and heartache. So, agree. That's why I usually just tell people the easier thing is to just avoid it. Um, you can do it, and but there's going to be extra work. So, what yeah. is the point? <laughs> uh, um, but, and again, but every situation is different, so it might be okay. Okay. Certain. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's certain ways to structure it where you know we'll, we'll figure out we can implement the LLC, but we just make sure gotta on do the, certain things. Right? Yeah, on the tax side. So I get this question all the time too. People are like, "Hey, I'm buying my uh, first property in the United States. Um, this corporate structure you're talking about sounds overly complicated. Um, I think I'm just going to buy it in my own name. I'm just going to sell it in my own name. Um, I think that'll be fine. What? What? Are they exposing themselves by doing this? <laughs> well, I mean, personal liability at that point. So uh, they find out who owns it. Something happens on that property. Somebody gets hurt. You're doing construction on there. Uh, you know, somebody falls off a ladder. They're like going to sue you. Well, they if you have a, a, court, a structure set up, a legal structure, then they're going to sue that entity and they can only get the assets of that entity. If you're owning something individually, they can go after your personal assets. Right. So, uh, and people have the misconception that, oh, I'm in Canada. They can't touch me. It's yeah. like, oh, you're right next door. We can touch you. Yeah. You can get at your assets. And so you, you, 
you know, I'm sure there's horror stories. We never let anyone do that, but um, I'm sure there's horror stories where people got sued and, you know, they're, they're sorry they ever like set foot in the United States. Yeah. And then selling the properties. Um, if you want to talk about selling the properties and potential extra fees. Exactly. Well, as you, as you referenced, if you're selling property in, in your own name and you're a non-resident of the United States, you're subject to what we call, it's, it's colloquially called FERPTA, but the, FERPTA is the law. It's just, it's an acronym for the law of foreign investment and real estate property act. So um, yeah, <laughs> it gets you pretty good. So what, what FERPTA is, so for example, say you have a house and uh, you, you buy it for 200 and it does really well. And then you, you fix it up and you sell it for 300. And you're like, Oh man, I made a nice profit. Well, you're going to send $45,000 to the government, 15% of the sale price. Right. And then you're going to sale price, not the profit, not the profit, <laughs> gross sales. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that process, as much as we've worked with it, is frustrating, even when it works well. And people, you're relying on sometimes title companies and buyers to like do this paperwork. They do it wrong. And you end up in a world of hurt. It takes you, we've had people, it takes them two years to get their money back. Yeah. We just had, we just had a client that had uh, some crypto withholding. It was, we were discussing it the other day, almost two and a half years to get their refund. And it's, it's been a nightmare, uh, multiple calls to the IRS from department to department. They finally issued the check. And keep making you jump through hoops. It, it's crazy sometimes. Yeah. But I mean, if you, you let us fill the paperwork out, we'll, we'll make sure that it gets done right. But even that, it's it's a good four or five months before you get your money back. You have to file a return to get your money back. And uh, you'll get, you know, a good portion of it back, depending on what your actual gain is. Because that's what you're taxed on in right. the end is, is your gain on the property. And just to throw a quick example in there, let's just say you sell your property in February of 2023. You withhold 15%, send it to the IRS. You're not going to see that money till tax season in 2024. doesn't open up till the third week. You file your personal return. Refunds typically take up to 21 business days. So you won't see that till the end of February. So imagine being all excited about a sale of a property. You're going to profit, but you have to dish out 15% of the gross sales price. And you will not see that until the next year there is an alternative method to do that but the withholding certificate um you can do something like that but our experiences it's nightmarish and we yes. just had very little luck with that um i just had a situation um same type of thing where somebody sent the withholding certificate in which means they would give the money back a portion of the money back right away they filled out the paperwork wrong, um, and it's been quite a while to get it. They had to send them, uh, you know, all these documents. In fact, even one of the documents was, when you bought the property, was it subject to withholding? Uh -oh. It's like, well, I bought the property 10 years ago, yeah. so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, I assume that they did it right. And so it's, just, it's a ridiculous process. So try to avoid with 
crypto. So one of the things that you can do um, is if you set up a multi-member partnership, you're not subject to FERPTA at that level. Now you're subject to some withholding on the back end on the profit, which is less, and it's a little better process. Um, and if it's a corporation, um, depending on, there, there's a lot of rules with FERPTA, but. But the just, basics are is to set up an entity like yeah. what you guys were talking about, an American entity and right. sell property out of that. Yeah, suffice yeah. it to say, don't own in your own name. There's a lot of drawbacks. Yeah, yeah and there's there's one one other exemption is if you, if the purchase price, the selling price is under three hundred thousand, it's being uh, sold to a person that is going to make it as, their, house, as yeah. their primary residence. But how often does that really happen with these? I've seen it a couple times. Yeah. It's... But even even having a good uh, accounting team behind you, at least maybe maybe uh, not everyone gets this service. But when I was selling that property in Palm Bay, Florida, uh, they wanted to charge me FERPTA to my entity, even though we, we shouldn't. And uh, Ali and Brent, they uh, they went and found a whole bunch of IRS code and sent it into them and told them, no, you don't. And uh, we did a little bit of fighting back and forth, but they got them to got the title company to drop it um, because I didn't want to give. The IRS basically an interest-free loan for a year. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um worst case, and even worse than this, is think about this. Think about if you bought a house for say you in Florida, right? You bought a four hundred thousand dollar house and then you sold it for four hundred thousand dollars. They take fifteen percent of that, and you'd actually have to come up come to the table with money to pay the government, even though you had no profit. That's even worse. <laughs> didn't make. We're assuming, we're assuming that you make a profit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What if you made no profit? It's even worse, right? Uh, that's coming out of your pocket, right? You might have to come to the table to sell it. Um, anyway, let's circle back to um, the corporate structures. Um, another question I get all the time is about ITIN numbers, international tax ID numbers. Some people will say like, well, if I'm going to do all this stuff with a, a C Corp, do I need set up an ITIN? Like, do I need these ITINs? Uh, oh, maybe we start off with what is an ITIN? <laughs> yeah, ITIN, uh, it's an individual tax identification number. It's uh, equivalent to a social security number for a non-resident. Uh, ITINs are required to file personal taxes um, many times to obtain a personal bank account. Um, and pretty, pretty much if you're receiving any funds in the U.S., you need an ITIN. If, I'm sorry, if you're receiving funds in the U.S. to your personal name, you're going to need an ITIN. Yeah. So if you don't have any dividends to yourself from the corporation, then you don't have to worry about having an ITIN and that sort of thing. So if you have a corporation. But if you're filing a C-Corp to an Ontario Corp, then right. you could just... It just move, it just flow its way through, and nothing would hit you personally anyway. Yeah, there's forms to fill out, but it's not. There's you don't need an individual tax ID. Yeah. Um. One thing about it too is, uh, even with some people who are trying to do that, I always, I often tell them to give Ali and Brent a call and set up an I-10 anyway. The price is pretty cheap. Um, it's a great way to build some credit in the United States. You want to get a credit card. You want to get a line of credit. Um, you're gonna need anything personal, like you, like Ali said. Anything personal, you're going to need it. And it's, you know, honestly, even just having a credit card is, a, you know, <laughs> you, you're going to, 
it's it's almost mandatory for business. I, I use my credit card all the time. You want to do trips. Um, you want to keep it on the American system. You want to have your corporation pay for it. Well, get corporate credit cards too, right? But anyway, I'm kind of going and running around in circles because I keep thinking personal and, and business, mixing them up. Um, but it's a good idea to have one, right? Yes. Right. Absolutely. Cool. Um, I think we covered most of this stuff. I think the last thing uh, I wanted to touch on that uh, Ali brought up in the intro when we were talking about corporate structures is a, a registered agent. Um, what is one? Why do you need it? Yeah. Um, so a registered agent is mandatory in any state that you register your business in, in the U.S. A registered agent is an actual address in that state that obtains all correspondence for the actual entity registered in the state. Without one, you can't even open up an entity in that state. If you originally have one that RA resigns, then majority of states will automatically dissolve or put your entity into not in good standing. So at the end of the day, a registered agent is going to collect all your correspondence, meaning mail, um, send them over to you via email or sometimes mail them back out to your address over in Canada. Yeah. No. So one thing a registered agent won't do, and most of them, and stateside is the, the exception. We try to do a little bit more to help you guys out. What people don't realize, when you open an entity in a state, so you have your income taxes every year, but you registered in that state, and that state wants you to remain registered. And so the vast majority of states have an annual fee. So you have to pay, you have to fill out a report saying some of them are very expensive and some are not. You know, they, they want to know who the directors are and all that sort of stuff. But some of them are just like, hey, pay your fee, make sure that you're registered agent. But every one of them lists a registered agent on there. So what we do at Stateside is we offer like various levels of, of service. We'll even like pay your, you know, prop real estate property taxes. Uh, we'll help you pay utility bills, that sort of thing, if you need help with that. But one thing that we do with our registered agent service is that we make sure that your annual fees are paid. We monitor when they're due. We let you know. Uh, we facilitate the payment for you. We keep your uh, your entity in in uh, good standing. Because if you're not in good standing, you go to sell a property and you can't because no, you're not in good standing. Well, you haven't you haven't registered your company in three years. Well, you have to reinstate it. You have to. There's a process for that. And it's costly sometimes, you know, in certain states, it could, there's penalties of three, $400 a year on that stuff. So it's very important. It's not a lot of money for someone to like, make sure that, you know, and when we get your mail, we don't just send your mail to you. We, we look at it and go, Oh, they should probably know about this. They should probably do something about it. So right. you can get a registered agent for $99 and they'll just send your mail and you'll never hear from them. And then they'll tell you once a year when you got to renew, they don't ever, you can't call them on the phone. You know, you can call us anytime and we'll, we'll help you with anything. So that that's, that's what we do. We're, yeah. we're just here to help the investors do well. We do everything that a property, everything except what, except manage the property. We can help pretty much help you with. Right. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I believe probably a good idea, like when the title company registers the property to use the registered agent's address, um, 
one reason I'm saying this is like you don't really want necessarily um, it'll be public record what the uh, what that address is for this. Um, and, and honestly, I'd rather have it going to, you know, my accountant or to um, the registered agent rather than disclosing my house in Canada. Um, <laughs> and also, if you want to get like if you have a violation for like some high grass, I'd like to get it in a, in a timely manner than it them shipping yeah. it all the way to Canada, <laughs> which could take a long time. <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, that's what I had for questions. Is there anything else that uh, I should have asked you guys? Um, I mean, I, I think we pretty much covered everything. Uh, do you want to add anything or? No, I mean, I think we're, I think we're good. I mean, uh, I, I can't think of anything that's new that we'll have to, uh, you know, let you know about if there's any new, actually there is a new, uh, there is a new FERPTA law. Oh. So it has to do with um, selling of partnership interests. So, oh. so if you're swapped out an interest, somebody in your partner out an interest, there's FERPTA withholding on that now. Oh, okay. But, uh, okay. I do have a property. I swapped out interest. So we'll have to talk about that. Maybe uh, yeah. this seems like a more uh, specialized conversation. So maybe we'll have a, a quick email or a quick chat about that ourselves. That's the only new issue I'm aware of as far as from the tax side of things. Okay. Um, if uh, people wanted to reach out to get a hold of Global Tax Services, uh, how do they find you guys? Yeah, you guys um, can log on to uh, our website and send us an email at www.gtservicescpa.com. Um, we, we like to correspond through email so we could take a look at our schedules set up phone calls. Um, <clears throat> you can reach out to us at 313-395-3113 for a phone, a quick phone call or, you know, a quick meet and greet, but <clears throat> we rather uh, respond back via email. It makes a lot more sense too. Then you're, you're prepared. You know what kind of what's going on. You can send an email back and forth and you, you know, you're not just on the fly you're not going to get the same results if you're not booked yeah more than likely if you you give if you give us a call unless it's an emergency we're you know you know you know greet you and give you a call back with a date and time that we can get you on the schedule yeah and, and we're not the kind of firm that as glenn knows that you know it's like we tell you give your 20 minute half hour phone call and then then we start then the clock starts we don't do that yeah so, We'll work with you and get you, guide you the right way. We'd rather that we, you know, that we got you going in the in the correct manner, and then you know, saying, hey, you know, these guys, uh, uh, they're they're not paying us right now. It's like, well, we're not worried about that. We're we're doing well business wise, and we just want to we just want to have the reputation as helping people as much as we can, and we really enjoy getting to know a lot of you people over the years. And Glenn's great, so. We've really enjoyed working with him over the years. Yeah. Right. Well, guys, I, I really appreciate you coming back on the show. I think this is our fifth interview, I think, but um, quite a few anyway. Um, do appreciate it. Uh, tons of value every every single time. Um, so I think people will really enjoy this. No, thank you. Thanks, Glenn. Have a great day. Appreciate, appreciate it. you. That was a nice video. Bye.